Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you'd like to be on the program, you are more than welcome to call in. Even Bob got padded by the call screener. Y'all might be able to as well. Conservatives are allegedly at it again. The headline from the Wall Street, from the Washington Post, censorship battles new frontier, your public library. Conservatives are teaming with politicians to remove books and gut library boards. Oh, boy. In early November, an email dropped into the inbox of Judge Ron Cunningham, the silver-haired head chair of the governing body of Llano County in Texas's picturesque Hill County country. The subject line read, Pornographic Filth at the Llano Public Libraries. It came to my attention a few weeks ago that pornographic filth has been discovered at the library, wrote Bonnie Wallace, a 54-year-old local church volunteer. I'm not advocating for any book to be censored, but to be relocated to the adult section. It's the only way I can think of to prohibit censorship of books I do agree with, mainly the Bible, if more radicals come to town and want to use the fact that we censor these books against us. Wallace had attached an Excel spreadsheet of about 60 books she found objectionable, including those about transgender teens, sex education, and race, including notable works like Between the World and Me by author Taneshi Coates. Uh, That's a book that uh, liberal white people read so they can feel themselves connected to the black community. Um, It was an opening salvo in a censorship battle. Y'all, okay. Again... I would treat stories like this more seriously had we not just lived through the episode of Dr. Seuss. I am old enough to remember when progressives decided Dr. Seuss was verboten and needed to come out of libraries and off of of books and the National Book Reading Day, which had long been promoted with Dr. Seuss characters. Nowadays, are nope, we can't do it. He's problematic. I'm sorry, but if green eggs and ham is problematic, I assure you uh, some of these books are really problematic. As an aside, I try to tell you all about me. You should know that I despise baby talk. I genuinely despise baby talk. I don't want to baby talk to my kids. I don't want to baby talk to my dog. I don't want to hear you baby talk. When I was in college, I had a girlfriend and I had the flu. She came over. She was in the education department. She decided to make me feel better. I had the flu. I was in bed feeling terrible. And what did she decide to do? Read me a book. And what book did she decide to read to me, a 20-year-old in college with the flu? Green Eggs and Ham, in Baby Talk, no less. The relationship ended. I have no regrets. No Baby Talk people, none. And I hate Green Eggs and Ham to this day. What a horrible moment in my life. 
Oh my God. I can't, I couldn't believe it. Nonetheless, Dr. Seuss, I was hating on Dr. Seuss long before the left, but for other reasons, the idea that he should be unwelcome in American libraries and yet uh, they get upset when conservatives say, hey, uh, maybe we shouldn't have sexually explicit material in the uh, elementary school section of the library. Oh, conservatives bounce, conservative culture warriors. We're not the ones who put the books there. As an aside, uh, the school library journal and the National Council of Teachers of English, they've done a survey asking K through 12 librarians and teachers to identify the titles that they suggest uh, they would remove from summer reading lists. To Kill a Mockingbird, The Works of William Shakespeare, The Great Gatsby, Hatchet, Catcher in the Rye. I actually agree. Catcher in the Rye is a garbage book, nonetheless. The Outsiders, Lord of the Flies, the Grapes of Wrath, Huckleberry Finn, The Little House on the Prairie, Tom Sawyer, Jane Eyre, Great Expectations, Little Women, Pride and Prejudice, Island of the Blue Dolphins, Of Mice and Men, Anthem, and 1984. Now, of all of these books, I have not read Hatchet, The Outsiders, or Anthem. I have read every single one of these books. To Kill a Mockingbird, All the Works of Shakespeare, Uh, The Great Gatsby, Catcher in the Rye. Again, it's a garbage overrated book. Uh, They only, they only, they only get you to do it because, because it's, it's their subtle way of introducing you to sex ed. Uh, Lord of the Flies, The Grapes of Wrath, Huckleberry Finn, Little House on the Prairie, Tom Sawyer, Jane Eyre, Great Expectations, Little Women, Pride and Prejudice, Island of the Blue Dolphins, Of Mice and Men, and 1984. In addition to The Outsider's Hatchet and Anthem, three books, I don't know. To Kill a Mockingbird is the number one book librarians say you should not read. It is the number one book you should read. To Kill a Mockingbird actually is my favorite book. I actually genuinely uh, adore To Kill a Mockingbird. It is one of the greatest books ever written. And everyone should be required to read it as a history lesson of the South. I, I think it is a great book. And the movie is one of my favorite movies. It's not my favorite movie. That would be Patton. But To Kill a Mockingbird is, with Gregory Peck, one of the best movies ever made. The book and the movie together, it's rare that you have a movie as good or better than the book. The book is fantastic. The movie is fantastic. The movie leaves out some of the story points of the book, but the movie itself is fantastic. And it is uh, the number one book librarian suggests kids should stop reading. Uh, George Orwell is tied with "Of Mice and Men" and "Anthem." Of uh, and I don't I don't know anything about Anthem. I've never even heard of that book until now. But you have librarians saying this now. Um, Johnny has two daddies. Betsy has two mommies. All those sorts of books. The librarians love that stuff. Uh, why is it again that that it's it's conservatives that are the culture warriors here? We're we're not doing anything. Uh, they're they're bringing in sexually explicit books into the kindergarten section, and they um they they think we're the ones for objecting. We're the culture warriors. This is just one of those those weird silly things here, where you have all these people wanting to shut down the classics. And bring in bizarre was now yeah 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 here we go suggested titles 
to add to the summer list. New Kid, The Hate You Give, Firekeeper's Daughter, Long Way Down, Stamped, The Poet X, All American Boys, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, Front Desk, I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter, The Crossover, and Refugee, I kid you not. This is the list. Uh, and, and then there are a couple of books that were um, selected three times. Uh, Clap When You Land, Fish in a Tree, Punching the Air, Other Words for Home, Just Mercy, Wonder, When the Mountain Meets the Moon, When Stars Are Scattered, The narrow, the Marrow Thieves, and, and Scythe. Oh, boy. So we're going to get rid of the classics of American literature, and we're going to add a book by Trevor Noah. Um, uh, let's let's see what this is about, shall we? I don't know anything about it. Um, oh, stories from a South African childhood, an autobiographical comedy book by South African comedian Trevor Noah. Uh, it's a film adaptation is being produced. So we should add a book by a comedian from South Africa about his time as a kid from South Africa, but we need not have a book uh, by Harper Lee from the American South showing how discrimination operated in the United States. But yet conservatives are the bad guys here. Conservatives are the one trying to get rid of books, or actually they're not even trying to get rid of books. They're trying to move them to different sections of the library. And it is the woke librarians that are bringing in a bunch of liberal pablum and pushing other books aside, they're somehow the heroes in the story. And you know who else is the bad guy here, of course? The state of Florida. According to CNN, Florida has rejected 41% of new math textbooks. Among other reasons, critical theory. Reasons for rejecting the textbooks include references to critical race theory, inclusions of common core, and the unsolicited addition of social-emotional learning and mathematics. What the hell does social-emotional learning have to do with 2 plus 2? I have no idea. Now, DeSantis's office got rid of common core books a couple years ago as a parent of a child who has gone through common core math, I must attest that if you find it objectionable for them to be getting rid of common core math books in Florida, you don't know what you're talking about. Common core mathematics is the most deranged system of teaching mathematics the world has ever learned. Using papyrus pooped out of the butt of a rhino and an abacus is easier to learn math than using the common core method. That's how bad common core math is. We might as well go back to, to processed papyrus out of the butt of a rhino and an abacus to teach our kids algebra because it would be far easier than common core. Common core is a disaster. You know, my kid, my wife, uh, has a college degree and and got an associate's degree in computer programming. Her father-in-law is, a, is an engineer from Georgia Tech, neither of whom uh, could help our kid with math homework because the Common Core system is so convoluted. To learn how to subtract, they had to learn how to do this page-long uh, addition problem that made absolutely no sense to anyone in their right mind. The Common Core is terrible. 
and they're attacking Ron DeSantis for getting rid of Common Core math in Florida and reverting to the traditional mathematics that the world has known since Pythagoras himself discovered how to figure out the triangle. And he's the bad guy here? And then they showed me, by the way, uh, I, I saw some of the examples of how they're weaving critical theory into mathematics. I kid you not. Uh, one of the, wait, wait, hang on a second. I, I can I can give you this because Ron DeSantis's uh, press secretary highlighted this. Uh, Christina um, Pushaw. Uh, she highlighted this earlier. I want to give you an example of the sort of stuff they're getting rid of here in these sorts of bizarro math problems. Let me give you one of these. Uh, Maya Angelou, this this is the, the, the problem. Y equals X plus 2. 3X plus 6Y equals 12. Now, here is the word problem to go along with it. Maya Angelou was sexually abused by her mother's blank at age 8 which shaped her career choices and motivation for writing is the answer a boyfriend zero comma two B brother four comma six or C negative three negative one father. The answer is boyfriend. You had to do the math equation to figure it out. Y equals X plus two. You got me. And that's zero. And then three X plus six Y equals 12. That works out to be two. Therefore, we know the answer is boyfriend. And then the next problem, trying to support her son as a single mother. Angela worked as a pimp, prostitute, and X equals Y minus one. Y equals negative four X plus 21. What's the answer? Nightclub dancer. Yes, that's how they're working this madness in. That's a real public school question how they're weaving critical theory nonsense into mathematics as opposed to just teaching the kids math. They've got to learn social justice and biographies along the way. And Ron DeSantis and the Florida Republicans are somehow the bad guys by getting rid of common core math and this garbage and actually teaching kids real math. Why are they the bad guys? How are they the culture warriors? It's the left running the narrative here. Anyone who disagrees with them is a warrior, a cultural warrior against them when they're the ones trying to push this crap in our schools. Well, there is some breaking news we need to cover here. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show, a federal judge has struck down the mask mandate uh, for transportation. Uh, this has just happened. Uh, Catherine Kimball Mazel is a U.S. federal judge appointed by Donald Trump, uh, said the mandate was unlawful because it exceeded the statutory authority of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and because its implementation violated administrative law. It was unclear how quickly the ruling will be implemented at airports or train stations across the country or if the Department of Justice will attempt to block it. The CDC extended it to May 3rd. A Biden administration official familiar with the White House's decision previously told CNN the goal of the extension was to gather more information and understanding of the BA2 variant of the coronavirus. The Surgeon General last week said part of the reason for the extension was because of rising COVID-19 cases. In her 59-page ruling, Mazel suggested the government's implementation of the mandate in which non-complying travelers are forcibly removed from their airplane seats, denied board at the bus steps, and turned away at train station doors was akin to detention and quarantine, which are not contemplated 
in the section of the law in question. As a result, the mask mandate is best understood not as sanitation, but as an exercise of the CDC's power to conditionally release individuals to travel, despite concerns that they may spread a communicable disease. But the power to conditionally release and detain is ordinarily limited to individuals entering the United States from a foreign country. Now, interestingly enough, as a buddy of mine pointed out, she's kind of predestined uh, to do this. She's a graduate of Covenant College. Uh, Covenant College is within uh, my listening area. I've got a uh, seminary professor who I just truly enjoy taking his apologetics class, Bill Davis, who's the head of philosophy department at Covenant College uh, up there, uh, the, the furthest north tip of Georgia, northeast Georgia. She graduated as well from the University of Florida College of Law in 2012, is a district court judge now, Catherine Kimball Mazell and has now thrown out the federal mask mandate for travelers. Interestingly enough, there is a growing um, effort behind the scenes among Democrats to convince the Biden administration to get rid of the mask mandate altogether. Uh, This is Scott Gottlieb uh, and what he had to say about it. To a degree, I think what would corrode public trust and the ability to re-implement these things if the situation does change is re-imposing them right now. I don't think that there's an indication that we should be re-imposing any mitigation, any any mask requirements. So quite frankly, I think what Philadelphia did is more corrosive to the ability to reach back to these kinds of tools later. I think in the case of the airlines, it's a question of when do they take it off? And as long as they're clear that this is really just a two-week extension and set clear uh, goalposts of how and when they're going to lift this, I don't think it's corrosive. I think the difficulty right now is there is some uncertainty is, is it really going to come off in two weeks? And so if they made a clearer statement that said, look, there's a B2 surge, we think cases are coming down. If, in fact, they do continue to come down like we expect, we will lift this in two weeks. That probably would have been a better statement. They sort of said that, but but not quite. I think that probably would have been a better statement. But I don't think this two-week extension in and of itself is going to undermine their ability to reach back these tools later yeah uh, by the way just just if if you've got a kid who's interested at all in college uh, one you should go check out covenant college because it's one of the prettiest campuses in the nation outside of berry college in rome georgia uh, but also good good presbyterians there it's a good school um one day one day maybe i'll give to them instead of my alma mater which seems to just be going left particularly at the law school Hi there. Okay, so I'm I'm diving into this decision, kind of disrupting everything I was going to talk about. This is actually pretty interesting. Uh, as you can imagine on social media right now, progressives are having a meltdown over this judicial decision uh, in the Middle District of Florida. A federal judge, Catherine Kimbrell Mazell, a graduate of Covenant College and the University of Florida. She is 35 years old. She has struck down nationwide the mask mandate for public transportation, including aviation. And the left is furious because she was rushed through after the 2020 election and put on the bench. She was 33 years old at the time. She's now 35, and they're attacking her for only being 35 and doing such a thing. Now, keep in mind, the people attacking this judge for only being 35 years old are the people who believe that preteens should have the right to vote. Now, I want to read for you some of this decision. 
As travelers have been reminded for more than a year, federal law requires wearing a mask in airports, train stations, and other transportation hubs, as well as on airplanes, buses, trains, and most other public conveyances in the United States. Failure to comply may result in civil and criminal penalties, including removal from the conveyance. The masking requirement, commonly known as as the mask mandate, is a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention regulation. In July 2021, Sarah Pope, Anna Daza, and Health Freedom Defense Fund sued various government officials and the CDC seeking a declaratory judgment that the mask mandate was unlawful. The mask mandate requires that a person wear a mask while boarding, disembarking, and traveling on any conveyance within or into the United States. The mandate's reach extends to aircrafts, trains, road vehicles, including ride-sharing services like Uber, vessels, and other means of transportation. It also applies beyond conveyances to any transportation hub, which includes any airport, bus terminal, marina, seaport, or other port, subway station, terminal, train station, U.S. port of entry, or other location that provides transportation subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Now, she determines that the mask mandate exceeds the CDC's authority under the Public Health uh, Service Act. Because administrative agencies are creatures of statute, they possess only the authority that Congress has provided. In issuing the mask mandate that requires most persons to wear masks over their mouth and nose while traveling into or within the United States, the director of the CDC relied on a section of the Public Health Service Act of 1944 for authority. Other sections of the Public Health Service Act also provide the CDC with a limited power to apprehend, detain, examine, or provide conditions for the release of individuals coming into a state or possession from a foreign territory. Since Congress enacted the Public Health Service Act, uh, it has generally been limited to quarantining infected individuals and prohibiting the import or sale of animals known to transmit disease. It has rarely been invoked, at least until recently. Within the past two years, the CDC has found within it the power to shut down the cruise ship industry, stop landlords from evicting tenants who have not paid their rent, and require that persons using public conveyances wear masks. Courts have concluded that the first two of these measures exceeded the CDC's statutory authority. No court has ruled on the legality of the mask mandate. At first blush, it appears more closely related to the powers uh, granted in the section than either the sale order or the eviction moratorium. But after statutory analysis, the court conclude the section of the law used by the CDC does not authorize the mask mandate. That's point number one. Um, and as a result of this, the mask mandate for the United States of America now comes to an end. The question is does the administration appeal this? Now, there's there are notable reasons here. If they appeal this decision from the Middle District of Florida, it would go to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals that is headquartered in Atlanta. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals had moved to the left under Barack Obama, but under the uh, Trump administration, there were enough vacancies, and those vacancies were filled. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals is now uh, has now moved to the right. 
the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals handles all appeals that come from Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Uh, Bill Pryor, who had been a uh, the Attorney General in Alabama, became a judge of the 11th Circuit. He's the Chief Judge of the 11th Circuit. And uh, definitely that circuit now is a conservative circuit. The odds are the 11th Circuit would uphold this. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if, if you're in law school, you know this. Most people don't. While it is increasingly common for federal judges at the district court level. So let, let, me, let me back a couple of steps up and explain this to you. The United States of America is divided into federal judicial circuits. Uh, and those circuits depend on the size of the state. Um, there are, let's see, um, how many federal judicial districts? Um, off the top of my head, it does, 90, 94, 94 federal judicial circuits. So there are 94 federal judicial circuits, and then there are a number of uh, appellate circuits. So let's take Florida, for example, because that's where this case comes from. Florida has three federal judicial circuits, the northern, the middle, and the southern. This comes from the middle district of Florida and Tampa. If the federal district judge is appealed, someone, in this case, it would be the Biden administration, wants to appeal. That appeal flows then to a circuit. There are 13 United States circuit courts. Uh, there are 11 in number, and then there's a federal circuit and a D.C. circuit. The federal circuit is unique. It handles patent and trademarks. The D.C. circuit handles appeals, lawsuits filed in Washington against the federal government. So now you have this situation, and in the Middle District of Florida, a federal judge's decision is appealed to what is the 11th Circuit. The 11th Circuit handles the nine district courts of Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. Alabama, Georgia, and Florida each have a northern, a middle, and a southern district. Each of those districts have several judges, and then the 11th Circuit has a number of judges who handle all the appeals. If an appeal comes from the 11th Circuit, it goes to the Court of Last Resort, the Supreme Court. So it goes District, Circuit, Supreme. So the Middle District of Florida Court would be appealed to the 11th Circuit judges who handle Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. They would be appealed to the Supreme Court. The 11th Circuit is a conservative court. The Biden administration according to people behind the scenes, has been pushing the CDC not to extend the mask mandate after May 2nd. They, it was supposed to expire last week. They extended it to May 2nd because of this new Omicron variant that while a lot of people are getting infected, no one's having major symptoms. We now know that airline, based on several studies the CDC conducted last year, airline airflow is actually really good. And 99.8% of COVID released on an airplane doesn't even make it to the person sitting next to the infected person. Airline uh, dynamics and airflow are better than surgery centers. We cannot find any cases of COVID spreading on airplanes with or without masks. The bigger issue is trains and buses, but we don't have major spread in those locations either. So this judge says the CDC exceeded the scope of its power to mandate masks in public transportation. They don't have the power under the statute. The same statute is the statute they use to try to prevent evictions. It is the same statute they use to order the shutdown of the cruise line industry in 2020. 
uh, both of which other courts have said they don't have the power under the statute to do it. This judge is saying in her decision that uh, it appears superficially the CDC has the power to issue a mask mandate under the statute. But when you actually dive into the history of the statute and what the statute covers, they really don't. And that her doing so throws out the mask mandate nationwide. Normally, when a federal judge in a district makes a ruling, it only applies in that district. This is Tampa and the Middle District of Florida. So it covers, it's kind of weird, it goes diagonally through the state. So it covers Naples, Tampa, uh, it covers Jacksonville, Florida, St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, it doesn't cover Orlando, I don't believe. I think Orlando is in the um, it's in the northern district of Florida, but regardless. Actually, no, 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 I'm looking at the map. So it would cover Disney World as well. And it would only apply there. But because it's a nationwide mask mandate and this federal judge down in Florida has thrown it out, this affects the entire nation. As of right now, technically, you can get on a plane and not wear a mask and no one can do anything. However, the airlines are going to continue the mask mandate while this is up in the air. So if you go to the Atlanta airport right now or the Orlando airport or the uh, Harry Reid airport out in Las Vegas right now and you don't wear a mask, they're going to make you put a mask on. Not because the federal judge has doesn't have power there. It's because the airline still wants you to wear a mask until this is resolved. The Biden administration is going to have to decide, do we appeal this or not? If the Biden administration appeals it, it potentially drags the mask mandate out longer than what the CDC wanted. The CDC, by and large, from what I'm being told, was going to get rid of it on May 2nd and say no more mask mandate. So now if the Biden administration appeals, they're going to have to extend the mask mandate because otherwise the decision is is moot. It's moot because the mask mandate goes away. But if that's the case, the appeal fails. If the appeal fails, the district court ruling stands. So if the CDC wants to do a mask mandate again, you've got a federal judge that says it's unconstitutional, exceeds your authority, you can't do it. So the Biden administration risks forcing the mask mandate to continue longer than the federal uh, government wanted the mask mandate to continue just to get rid of this judicial decision in the state of Florida. This is uh, strategically for the right, frankly, this is a, a good move by the judge because it forces the Biden administration to do something increasingly unpopular. There's new polling out that 53% of Americans, including 78% of frequent flyers across parties, want the mask mandate to go away. If the Biden administration appeals the decision, they have to keep the mask mandate. If they were to get rid of the mask mandate during the appeal, suddenly the appeal is moot and the lower court decision stands. They never get to consider it at the circuit court level. So they would have to extend it. That would be politically unpopular. That's why the left is so upset about this decision. The left is not upset about the mask mandate going away. The left is upset that a 35-year-old Trump-appointed judge in the Middle District of Florida, who the American Bar Association should have no business being on the bench, is on the bench and just got rid of one of the signature initiatives uh, from the CDC to stop the spread of COVID, where the left has now internalized masks or some sort of panacea that will save all, be a salve for all, and prevent the uh, virus from spreading when we now know, based on scientific data, that masks, unless you're wearing N95 masks and making everyone else wear N95 masks, it's not working well. It's not doing what was said to be what was supposed to be done. 
They can't point that out, however. They can't point out it's not very effective. They can't point out that it's bad politics. And they can't point out that the CDC probably wasn't going to extend it. What they have to do is attack the judge. So they're attacking her age. They're attacking her background. Oh, she went to Covenant College. Covenant College, if you ever uh, drive through Chattanooga, you see Lookout Mountain to the south of the city. Uh, you can see something up there. I always thought it was a monastery. It's Covenant College. It's a beautiful campus, beautiful views, beautiful location, wonderful people, good conservative Presbyterians. Uh, i got a lot of friends who went there. They're attacking her for going, oh, she's a religious fundamentalist. So if you knew anything about Covenant College, you would know that's not the case. But it is kind of funny to see them all upset and been out of shape that she went there. But she also went to the University of Florida Law School. I can't support her because she's a Gator fan. Uh, but nonetheless, um, she got it right. The CDC, by and large, has exceeded the scope of its authority. And now the Biden administration is in a very sticky position. Do we ex- appeal this and potentially have to extend the mask mandate to get the appeal done? Or do we not fight it? So the mask mandate goes away and we blame the judge. But then if we need to do the mask mandate again, we've got to relitigate the matter and that'll slow it down. She's put them in a terrible position. And I find it absolutely fascinating and hilarious to watch them do this. Had they done the right thing and gotten rid of the mask mandate two weeks ago, they would have stopped this case in its tracks. And they did not do the legal machinations and maneuverings and the 3D chess maneuvers you would think they would do and realize They should have gotten rid of it two weeks ago and stopped this decision from ever coming out. Now, I want you to stop the stinky odors in your house, and you can do so by going to EdenPureDeals.com and getting the Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier. It eliminates odors. It also gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen floating around your house, but in particular, it wipes out odors. Now, I had to use it last night because I fried in the kitchen. It's raining outside. I made my Natchitoches meat pies, and the Eden Pure Thunderstorm wipes out the fry odors, the smoky odors, the pet odors. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200, and you get free shipping. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement, or I keep one in my suitcase. I travel with it if the hotel stinks or the rental car stinks. You can even use a USB cord to plug it in. It works that well. It's small, convenient, packs a wallop. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and the number three, no space, just Eric three. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. For four years, progressive judges would rush to block everything the Trump administration had done. Everything the Trump administration did, federal judges would go out of their way to block and progressives would cheer. And now a federal judge has stopped a mask mandate. You would notice how much more restrained Trump appointed judges have been in stopping the Biden administration. But on the the rental moratorium eviction, which turned out the Supreme Court upheld the judge's order. And now this conservative judges have stopped the Biden administration and the left is screaming foul. Maybe you should never have weaponized the judiciary against Donald Trump. Maybe you should not have kept rushing to court to try to get your way against the democratic processes, but you couldn't help yourself and you can't now ask conservatives to do the same thing. Uh, If you're going to weaponize the judiciary, don't expect the right to not do the same thing. 
And if you want to view it that way, you can. Or maybe the judge actually looked at the law and got it right. That's what y'all said about those progressive judges. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, you want to grow your business, reach out to First Liberty. FirstLibertyGA.com. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. And uh, you can um, reach out to them, spend 10 minutes with them. If you're trying to buy a building, build a building, or do something really big where banks are telling you no, uh, reach out to First Liberty. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. All right. We got to laugh at this. Um, In Arizona, two local diversity advocates, uh, Stuart Roden and Jill Lassen, they specialize in diversity, equity, and inclusion, lambasted the Scottsdale Unified School District's Hopi Elementary PTA for its decision to hire Kim Coco Hunter 56, a local DJ, at a charity event. Roden and Lassen, who have been involved in diversity work in the school district for some time, slammed the school and the PTA after seeing a picture of Kim Hunter and claiming it was inappropriate to hire a DJ to be in blackface, that uh, it was racist and it was bad. Problem is, the DJ wasn't in blackface. The DJ is black. Uh, and now Lassen, a librarian, no less, uh, is having to apologize for the hurt, anger, and frustration. <laughs> yes. Oh, they've got a picture of Lassen, the diversity advocate. Yep. Looks just like you would expect. Um, my gosh, the DJ turned out to actually be black, not in blackface. Wow. Wow.